Welcome to Courage in Action. We are a sisterhood of women empowering women to be everything we are meant to be. I'm your host, Naluka Kotagata, and it is my privilege to join your life journey as we connect with some extraordinary, triumphant, and beautifully imperfect women through this podcast. Together, we hope to inspire you to take action towards your life goals, one courageous step at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Courage in Action. One of the greatest struggles of the global pandemic has been maintaining our mental health. Joining us today is Patricia Wright. She's a mental health peer mentor, holistic nurse coach, advocate, writer, fierce survivor, and founder of Wellspring Outreach Services. Throughout a tumultuous life journey, Patricia has been anchored by her best friend, Hope. With that and a little support from others, she's developed a steadfast belief that we are all connected. She is here today to show us how to build a happy, meaningful, and productive life. Welcome, Patricia. Hi, welcome. Thank you so much for welcoming me. Absolutely. Maybe we can kick off with talking a little bit about your journey to the incredible place that you are today and what sort of was that tipping point that brought you to wanting a better life and a better you? Okay, well, that's usually a long story, but um, <laughs> that's okay. I'll see if I can, you know, sum it up. But yeah, I would say that, you know, I, uh, you know, just like my story has said, and you've read that I, I started in a very broken place. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've been, was homeless with my mother from a young age at 11. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, she kicked me out of our home at 14 and then I was homeless for approximately six or seven years after that. Wow. And, um, you know, that kind of homelessness uh, at that time was, you know, not as many services. So I slept outside of a, a large shopping mall, ate of gar- garbage cans and, mm. um, you know, did some, you know, n- not so great things to survive. And, um, managed to, uh, you know, experience various levels of abuse and neglect and abandonment, um, throughout those years. And so, you know, I was trauma, obviously traumatized by that, you know, moving on up to, you know, my twenties where, you know, you're still surviving, but you're, you know, you're learning the rules of the game. So, you know, at, at some point I decided, you know, I, di- I didn't want to live this life anymore. You know, I was doing mm-hmm. drugs. I was, uh, you know, uh, stealing for, you know, food and, and whatever else. And I, um, decided to leave. Actually, I was living in Toronto at the time and I decided to leave from there and move to Ottawa, um, you know, following friends and that didn't work out. But when I got there, I think it was a bit of a, a fresh start for me where I ended up getting a job and meeting some, uh, decent people. Um, but not really realizing that how much trauma I had had suffered, uh, for from the beginning of my life, even, um, you know, going far back as my parents being, um, you know, abusive to each other and having to witness that. So, um, I got to a point where, you know, I decided that I just wanted to turn my life around. I actually had a police officer who, you know, who woke me up to the fact that I didn't have to do what I was, I was doing. And sometimes sometimes it's as simple as that, right. As somebody Mm -hmm. just telling you, what's so basic that you don't know right yeah you can't anyway, see it when you're in the middle of the exactly of the exactly yeah exactly so from there I decided that uh you know part of that turnaround was 
you know, getting a job. And then I came back to Toronto and I ended up going into nursing school. I, my uh, partner at the time, you know, I met him in Ottawa at the time and uh-huh. uh, we both settled in Toronto and I went through, you know, nursing and uh, I did that. And I had a relationship with this person for 22 years, but that was also traumatizing in and of itself. Right. And, um, you know, I had to deal with somebody who had, uh, you know, a diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder. So wow. Diagnosed it. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of people are out there calling everyone, Mm -hmm. you know, narcissists. I'm like, yeah. Do you know what it's like to actually the real deal? Yeah. Real deal. And for 22 years. Right. So, um, you know, and during that time, again, it was in and out. So I, you know, even though I was following what the regular world was doing, you know, have a job, pay my bills, do all that kind of stuff. Sure. I still hadn't quite made it the way I thought I had. And then in 2007, I was diagnosed with uh, bipolar disorder. And then a couple of years later, I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder as well as PTSD. Wow. And so, yes, and I still had to work and manage life um, through that Mm -hmm. and through some of the things I did even while I had a partner, you know, so, you know, uh, that would be doing sex work at a time when I didn't have to, but that was mental, mental health related. Right. Um, And I went through the whole experience of, I think at that point, I, you know, by the time I was done, I was on, had taken 17 different kinds of medications. I'd had uh, ECT treatments uh, ECT treatments actually left me with a, you know, um, inability to mem- ha- have memory and um, trouble reading and writing. And so I really value those things today. It's funny how, you know, I'm a writer today and, uh, you know, Incredible. I look back on, yeah, I'm looked back mm-hmm. on how I had to re- rehab myself from that. Wow. And then I just decided, you know, uh, that was another tipping point. I think we all have many tipping points that, <laughs> you know, crossroads where you come and you kind of make these decisions. And I had to make this decision of who's running my care here. You know what I mean? Like, right. uh, you know, I've been listening to a lot of people do this, do that, get better, do, you know, even my my ex-partner. And I just woke up one day and said, OK, I'm not I'm not doing this anymore. And that would be around, I would say, around 2012, 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had a few devastating things happen to me around that time. And I just thought I'm not doing this anymore. So enough uh, was enough. Of, yeah. So I just yeah. kind of took my mental health in my own hands and I have to be honest with you since then I've been in the best position I've been in, you know, slowly, awesome. <laughs> but surely, but, uh, it's yeah. now 2022 and I can say I'm in a great place in a place Love where it. I'm able to help other people. You know, yeah. do I still battle with my own mental illness and my own demons? Absolutely. Every day. But that's yeah. the whole point, right? Is it's, it's an uphill battle every day. And I, and I make sure that I'm grateful that every time I open my eyes every day to get to, to battle, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> that's awesome. And you have such a positive attitude about it. And I think, um, I think as a society, we're able to have more conversation about mental health right now, but there's still a stigma and still, an element of shame in certain cultures around mental health. When you got the diagnosis, how did that feel in the beginning? And and how did you get to that point where you were, you were determined to be your own, your own caregiver and your own advocate? I have to be honest with you when they diagnosed me, some people, they actually feel relief because they know what it, what What it is. is. Yeah. For me, it was the opposite. It was, it was devastating. It was actually, 
and not devastating right away. At first, I was like, okay, I'm diagnosed with this. But as I would say the first couple of years, I was really not happy with knowing. And I realized that I'm that type of person where I'm not, I'd rather you not tell me uh, if it was something that was not going to kill me, I guess. Right. You know, I'd rather You're you like, not I'm tell good. me because, you know, <laughs> it was hard to, yeah. Deal with, yeah, and there's studies sure. that show that, you know, where you've told people something and, and their whole kind of demeanor and everything, and even physically, they deteriorate. Right. Right. And yeah. that's kind of what happened to me was I didn't I didn't actually get better. I actually, you know, spun my wheels and got worse. And I and even though I did mm. try like I was, you know, I would say about a good 10 years where I was in groups and I went to this doctor and I saw this psychiatrist and I tried this, you know, this like it was just one thing after another. And uh, sure. I, I guess I, I would say around 2015, where I was like, okay, I, if I don't stop listening to everyone else, then I'm never, I'm never going to get better. Like in yeah. my case, I can only speak for myself. Uh, I think the biggest thing that helped me at that point was when I turned to peer support. And that's why I'm a huge advocate of that, where, you know, right. I realized uh, that other people who were living the same way as I was or better or worse at least if I had them around me, then I knew that one, I wasn't alone. And two, mm. that, uh, you know, these things exist on, on various levels. And that's yeah. why I say, you know, hope, I just had to keep holding out hope to say, okay, eventually I, you know, things will settle. Eventually I'll find a, a tribe that I can identify with. Eventually something mm. will work for me. And as long as I kept putting one foot in front of the other, you know, that's how I managed to get where I am today. I don't think about, you know, 10 years from now, two years from now, not even a week from now, I really stick in the present moment. And I know everybody goes on about mindfulness, but there's <laughs> so many ways to do, to do mindfulness. And one of the right. basic ones is just focusing on today. Like, that's it. Like, I don't, I don't, the next 24 hours, I'm not promised the next 24 hours. So I try not to think mm. about it too much. Do I make appointments? Obviously. Do I make plans? Obviously. But are they written in stone that I can't navigate and change and modify and adapt? Absolutely not. Because I think that that's one of my strengths, you know, through mental illness, dealing with mental illness is being able to adapt, modify and pivot when you have to. I think that's an incredible strength for anyone who isn't even dealing with the mental health um, diagnoses that you have. Um, that ability to adjust a plan, <laughs> like, you know, all of us lay out the ideal plan or what the ideal life is going to look like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is the ideal life? Right. What is the ideal plan? And you Anybody have, who has like, that answer? <laughs> oh, please. I, nobody does. No one, no, no human no one being does. does. But if they anyway. bottled it, you know, they'd be a millionaire at oh that point. Oh my God. Right? Yes. But I also feel like life would be a little boring if everything went according to plan and you knew exactly what was going to happen and how it was going to happen. That would be a little dull. <laughs> well, <laughs> Maybe this is it, would it be... right? Like you, you hit the nail on the head right there where, yeah. you know, I always tell people you, it's as much as it's a cliche. Variety is the spice of life. Now, exactly. you may not have a choice in how that variety comes to you. <laughs> You know, yeah. but uh, by embracing it, you you do see a lot more beauty in life and you do see a lot more, uh, you know, hope in terms of where your life is going and what what's happening for you, especially when you're dealing with mental illness. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you've had to deal with not only mental illness, but you've had um, actual harassment and and a lot of difficulty in your 
in your career. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you made it through? Yeah. Um, so fast, we're fast forwarding to, you know, now everything's, you know, a little settled. I've left my ex-partner of 22 sure. years. I packed up all my stuff left from Toronto. I'm in, like, I am in Winnipeg now and, uh, you know, yeah. loving it because it's a little bit of a smaller place, less people, you know, even though it's a deep freeze right now. Yeah. Even though it's a deep freeze right now, it's minus 30, everybody. So, uh, <laughs> but I love winter and I love the cold. So it's oh, a perfect good. place for me right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, around 2018, when I was, uh, at work, I tried my best to report some things that were happening to me there, you know, uh, yes. along the lines of gender identity discrimination, racial discrimination. And, you know, it was a high trigger for someone for mental illness, but uh, you know, unfortunately, for in, exactly. It, you don't even have to have mental illness no. to be dealing with that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, you know, um, these are not individuals that were focused on wanting to help me. These were individuals that were focused on trying to get me out of the oh, organization because, okay. you know, I'm reporting stuff that other people had reported and many people, you know, scared to lose their job, you know, weren't going to support me and whatnot. But um, mm -hmm. I ended up being wrongfully dismissed. And I say wrongfully because although they fired me initially, they didn't expect to, I guess, deal with someone of my, I like, I like to say my caliber and it became something. <laughs> I love where, it. Well, I mean, they, yeah, they, they, they tried to stress me out. They tried to push me to an edge where they, I would just turn around and say, no, I'm going to quit. I can't take wow. this. Yeah. Even my own uh, union lawyers and my union representative were surprised when I walked into their office and had three binders worth of notes ready to go for each of them. Perfect. Because yeah. it was a, it was a, it was me saying, look, I, I understand what the history is for other people who've been in my position. So they're basically saying I wasn't going to get any money. I wasn't going to get any compensation. I wasn't going to get mm -hmm. my job back, all that. And I was like, okay, that's fine, but I'm still taking them down the line. I'm still going to make them spend money, make them spend time the way that they've robbed me of my time and robbed me of my livelihood in terms right. of my income. You and were so sending I, the message. It was unacceptable. Unacceptable. And even yeah. if I didn't make it, you know, I was still setting the precedence for anybody who was behind me that if this happened again, then they could use my case as a rep as example. Right. Mm -hmm. and so, uh, but that was, that was a, a very stressful time because I had left nursing because of mental illness and had to reinstate my license, which cost me quite a bit of money. I had to go through a refresher course and the whole nine. Wow. And I, at that point I already had been nursing like 17 years, you know? So, <laughs> uh, when I first left, so it was like, okay. And then within five months of me getting my license back and getting this job and here, I was, you know, pounding the pavement again for reasons, wow. you know, again, that were intangible and hard to prove, but they were there. So basically I, I, you know, I always say I took them right down the line. It took a year, you know, of them doing their whole, we're canceling this meeting, going back and forth again, those tactics of, you know, let's see if we can get rid of her. And, and I don't think they ever expected me to show up on that July 30th, uh, you know, 29, at that point it was 2020, mm. July, July 30th, 2020. Yeah. It took some time before they, uh, you know, recognized that I wasn't going anywhere. Wow. And what, so, where did you, you know, get it was the, a win-win. Sorry. Where did you get the stamina to put up with that? Like knowing that you had a higher purpose 
understand all of that, but that must have been exhausting for you. Absolutely. Um, exhausting is an understatement because <laughs> after that, you know, yeah. it was one of those things where, you know, I, I really had to examine the whole situation, come from a place where, you know, what I call what they call responsibility pie. So as much as they had 85% oh. <laughs> responsibility, I still had 15% responsibility because you go through the things that you could have said, you could have done, you could have changed. And, you know, <laughs> you know, then you go through the whole shame and blame and judgment. And then mm. you get to a place of forgiveness where you're like, ah, you know what, they're not losing sleep over me. So I'm not losing sleep over them. I'm not going to give right. them that energy or as some people would say live rent free in my head so you know I had to move on to that but it wasn't it wasn't easy like it, it it really wasn't easy but you're asking me how I got to that place I think that all the traumas that I've experienced in, over my entire life Help and strength. the resilience and tenacity and that strength it, it just carries over into every time someone or something you know, situation comes up that I have to, to deal with that. It's like a, it's like a deep well that I can draw from. Yeah. Um, I just writ, wrote an article on resilience, uh, uh, you know, about that, where, you know, some people are born with a, a higher level of resilience. And I think some people, when they go through trauma, you know, it's almost two ways, either you come out being a very compassionate, caring person because of what you went through. And so you spend your time trying to, you know, you know, fight for justice, fight the system kind of thing, you know, try and not be disrespected or invalidated, or you yeah. go the opposite way. So for me, it was that it was that way, right? Like, and I still have that ability to do that today. I have that ability to do that when I take on a physical challenge and fitness, uh, you know, a writing challenge, or, or, or anything, a job challenge, or workplace I guess the biggest thing is, is, you know, I don't want to die leaving no type of legacy where, you know, nobody remembers my name. Nobody remembers that I, I was a fighter in that way. Right. Right. Um, and, and that I'm always looking for the, out for the little man who's coming behind me. So even if I don't win and I don't get what I don't get, I always want to leave the stamp of, you might have done this to me, but now you're aware. So if somebody yeah. else comes, you, 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 it won't be so easy to do it to them. Right. 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 And that's so, that's such an incredible um, place to be because a lot of people that have gone through what you've gone through and you mentioned it could have gone a different way and become very selfish and very sort of, and not blaming them at all, but it, it could have just ended up in a very different space. And I think it's, so incredible that you think so much about the people that come after you and supporting others and um, really building a legacy and, and a future that will be better. You're going to leave the world in a better state than it was before you got here. So I think that's, I just want to commend you for that. I think it's incredible. Absolutely. Thanks you so much. Yeah. I, I really strive to do that in everything I do. Yeah. And so my focus has really changed to, what now, what can I do for others at all times? Like it's always about serving others. And even though, you know, somebody would say, Oh, but you were a nurse, you served others the whole time. I'm like, yeah, but yeah. when you're twenties, when you're thirties, you still have that <laughs> bit of selfishness in you, right? Of course, like, yeah. you know, it's all about, <laughs> it really learning. is all about you. <laughs> yeah. You're learning. Exactly. Yeah. And then you, then you just cross over at some point, or at least, you know, for me, I can speak and say, I crossed over at some point right. and I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't function like this anymore. I need to 
need right. to really be focused on, you know, how I'm going to, you know, leave that carbon footprint behind For that's sure. not, you know, more beneficial to the earth versus not non-beneficial, right? So that's amazing. Is that why you created uh, Wellspring Outreach Services? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that is exactly why I created it. Again, being an advocate for peer support, I do I'm a strong believer in your lived experience is, you know, for me number 1 on the list that helps people. I'm not saying it can't complement, you know, uh psychiatry or other, you know, complementary type services, uh mm-hmm. social work, uh, you know, or anything like that, but of course. Uh, yep. Wellspring Outreach is a mental mental health peer coaching service or peer mentoring service where I help women heal and recover from mental and emotional trauma. And I do this, you know, in three ways. First one is peer support. The second one is intentional presence. And the third one is, you know, practical application of knowledge. So using those, you know, teaching skills of coping and um, resilience, you know, to, uh-huh. to deal with a lot of the trauma that we people like myself have uh, gone through. Um, and I started it, uh, you know, it was a little business plan that sat in my, you know, gathering <laughs> desk two years ago, yeah. <laughs> you know, good timing because the pandemic, Love it. The pandemic and, was uh, actually beneficial for that. <laughs> yeah. And then I, yeah. I worked, I worked as a nurse during the pandemic. It wasn't, wow. it just dawned on me. Like I, you know, career wise, I'm like, I, I don't want to do yeah, this bedside anymore. This. I don't want to keep doing this, you know, in this way, I want to help people, but I don't want to help people in this way anymore. Right. And so I just pulled up. You should have no guilt off. There's no guilt about, yeah, no guilt about leaving the nursing, um, nursing career right like um no no guilt anymore good. so this is good you know, I tell <laughs> no, people, I'm like, this, is my, this is my third pandemic in a way i went through uh you know sars in 2003 SARS. to 2006 yeah. and i did the whole h1n1 and now wow, okay. i'm doing covid i'm like yeah I'm you done. paid your dues i, I, I so, yeah i paid my dues yeah <laughs> yes, totally yeah. right like yeah <laughs> so you know i decided i wanted to service women in, in 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 another way in another capacity and uh you know that was another thing to wrap my head around is that i'm still nursing but i'm just doing it in a, in a different a different uh, way yeah different uh, yeah. Realm, right Love it. Um, and so that's what we do. We So I have a number of programs that I do. I do some, you know, personalized coaching and mentoring. Um, mm-hmm. I also am a mental health writer. So I write a lot of articles on mental and emotional health. That's I awesome. have a, a couple of courses that, you know, or workshops that I put out. One of them is called Tame Your Fear and Live Your Best Life, How to Overcome mm. Fear in Four Steps. And the second one that I've just finished writing is uh, Dealing with Intense Emotions. Um, you know, learning how to manage emotional waves. So, uh, you know, so I put those two out and, uh, you know, hopefully other people will pick them up. They can be done virtually or in person. Okay. And uh, outside, of, outside of that, you know, it's all about, you know, being on the, on social, which is, you know, sort of new <laughs> for me in the sense that it's not personal, it's business now, Yeah. you know, so you know, with a little bit of personal touch, obviously, but uh, you know, just constantly on social media, trying to let people know that this is my service and, uh, you know, it's much needed. I've heard that many, many times, but mental health, emotional health, still, like you said, a stigma around it, still a lot of secrecy talk. And I'm also trying to break that with my business too. Right. Um, And I feel that by putting my own self out there, 
that's the one of the biggest ways to do that. Uh, so I, I'm no longer in fear of telling people, yeah, I have bipolar disorder. Yeah, I live with borderline personality disorder and mm-hmm. PTSD, but I still mm-hmm. was a registered nurse. I still managed <laughs> to climb to Mount Everest Base Camp. I've run wow. <laughs> I've yeah. been, you know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, you can still have a life. My, my yes. thing is, is, you know, live your life the, as you see fit. You can still have a life despite your mental and emotional challenges. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm proof of that. Absolutely. And like those achievements in terms of physicality and what you did with, you know, base camp of Mount Everest and all of these things. Can you tell us a little bit about the connection of mental health and physical health? So mental health and physical health, that I like doing those challenges because, you know, people will say, oh, they, they focus on the physical. But the thing is, is your body will you your body will get to a point where your mind actually I should say your mind will get to a point where it'll tell you you know things that are untrue, and one mm. of those things are you're really tired. You should stop now. You don't need to go any further. You're good yeah. here. You know, yeah. so you know, kind of convincing you that you know, for lack of better words, I guess that mediocre is okay. And and for some people, it is. Like I'm not even saying that. Hey, you want to stop at 10 miles versus 20 miles? That's entirely up to you, right? It's like, your choice. It's the same yeah. thing with life. You know, if you want to stop at getting your degree and not go on to get your master's, that's great. You want to be the office worker and not the CEO, that's okay. If that's your comfort zone, then hey, mm-hmm. by all means. But you know, most of what I've received in my life is because I went outside of my comfort zone. And, mm. uh, you know, I remember that line from Jurassic Park where, you know, the movies <laughs> where he said, oh, the guy who went to up to Everest, he didn't go up there to die. He went up there to live. And I remember that line, yes. you know, every, every time I think of my trip, because, you know, you get, I got up there with the I think it was adrenaline. My mindset was like, OK, no, I'm doing this. But the minute mm-hmm. I touched that rock and came back is when I started to have you know, a little bit of a few symptoms of, you know, shortness of breath and fatigue, the, the high altitude. Yeah. 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 And so yeah. there is a mindset to me, it's all a mental game when you start to get into, you know, your marathon and you're, you're challenging yourself physically because yeah. it's all about what you tell yourself. It's all about the self-talk. You can have all the music you want in your, in your phone or your, yeah. whatever it is you run <laughs> with or walk with or climb with or whatever. In the end, it's what you tell yourself as you're going yes. along. And so that's ultimately, you know, that's number two that I always talk about is communication and the self-talk, the, the talk that we tell ourselves, the things we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so ultimately, you know, to me, if you don't kind of have that down pat, which is how I've gotten again to this point, then it'll be a little bit of a rougher ride. Can you learn it? Absolutely. Right. Um, but I, but again, I'm a believer that it's a, you learn it when you move out of your comfort zone, you don't learn it when you're in your comfort zone. It's, it, it's, it, it, you can't like, it, it doesn't make any sense to be able to do that. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, so my upcoming challenge is to do the David Goggins challenge. That's on the weekend of March 4th to the 6th of the, this uh, month, uh, this next month. Okay. And I've been training for that. And that's all about running four miles every four hours for 48 hours. I think the best oh thing I have I'm working <laughs> on my side is that I'm used to sleep deprivation from my job. years <laughs> my shift. So yeah. I, sh- I should be able to handle that piece. Oh that, my again, is, goodness. Yeah, yeah, wow. that's just me, you know, again, kicks, you know, it's a good, also a good reminder. Hey, I'm alive. I'm here. This is what my body mm. can do. This is what my mind can do. 
and you know and and just it's for a good cause too so it's all about charity when we all do it right so that's awesome and there's such a connection between um like your body and your self-talk and what you can encourage yourself to do and i know you talk a lot about peer support which is an incredible incredible uh support and strength for people but if you don't have that relationship with yourself not nothing outside of you is going to matter that's right yeah, uh, totally that's exactly it well my one of my you know very common sayings of late is no sound mind no sound anything Mm, I like that. No, yeah. No, no sound mind, no sound anything. If your mind is not in a in a, a not, let's not even say a right place. Let's say yeah. a decent place. Yeah. You will not you will not move forward in any way. You will not move. Period. Yeah. So whether that's forward yeah. or backwards. You know. You, right. You, you, you know that's that whole fight, flight, fright, freeze, avoid kind of thing. Yeah. You won't you won't be able to move because your mind is what, you know, you know, uh, David Goggins, everybody thinks he's a madman. But the one thing that he <laughs> does, he's well, I mean, yeah, look at all the crazy stuff he's done. But the thing is, right. is what you don't realize is, is it's his mind, as he says, it's his mind that has got him there. You right. Know, you, if you tell your body that, you know, it's tired, it's fat, it's useless, you're worthless. If you tell you, let's go on a mental, if you're worthless, you're hopeless, you're this and that, you will right. start to believe that and you will manifest those things physically in your life. Your, your house mm. might start looking cluttered. You may not look as, you know, you, you disheveled when you go to work. You, right. you stop eating well, you stop calling your friends, you start, you know what I mean? Like, because you're mm-hmm. telling yourself these things like I don't I don't have any friends. I'm worthless. I don't need friends. I you know, those kind of things or family, you know, all that. That's right. all mental. And I, I am mm-hmm. a believer in, in that. So you're right. Peer support is great in terms of lived experience and seeing someone else do it. And therefore, you're right. like, hey, I can do it, too, if I see them do it. But ultimately, yeah. you still have to put your own foot forward. Right. Mm-hmm. And I explain this to some people that I've mentored who have who've always wanted to said, Oh, you know, so-and-so and, you know, they blame and they blame and that's fine. They're right. They're entitled to their blame. But I always tell them, I'm like, it doesn't really matter who did it. You still have to clean up that mess. Like you still have right. to clean it up. It's affecting your life. Right. Yeah. Not it's about it how you me. respond to that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, if that's how you're going to respond to it, then the mess will always be there and it'll always be affecting your life. And how do you, how do you start to release that? Cause it sometimes when, when people think about, okay, I have to, I have to be in a good space mentally. They don't allow themselves to process the thoughts, the fears, the sort of, I'll call them ugly for lack of a better term, but like the yeah. ugly emotions, but you do have to process those and work through them in order to get to the other side. Yeah. You can't, that's what I mean by no sound mind, no sound anything. No sound anything, yeah. Well, I mean, you can cover it up with whatever you like. There's some people who cover it up with laughter, silence. Sure. I'm okay. You know, how many times have you heard people say, I'm okay, and they're not okay, right? Right. With the nervous laughter. Yeah, yeah, nervous (laughs) laughter, or, you know, they, or they deflect. Yeah. You know, they change the subject completely. They go on to, like, talking about the garbage or their kids or whatever else, right? Right. Avoiding, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. You don't process certain things, but the one thing I can tell you is, is that people that I've met or had talked to 
they want to process, but they have to go back to the basics. Some people don't even know what emotions are. They know what some of the main mm. ones are, but they, right. they don't even know how to name their emotions. They don't know what emotions do for them. They've always been taught to shut their emotions down because, you know, I'm at work. I'm at, and nursing and healthcare is very famous for that. Leave mm. your baggage at the door because you're serving the public. But the thing right. is, is when you're all leaving on the way out, you have to pick up that baggage. But who's rescuing you at that point? Right. Right. And when and you're so leaving, you're already exhausted. So yeah. So I find yeah. that there's a lack of knowledge when it comes to what are emotions? What do emotions do for you before you can even process them? You have to know what they are. You have to know mm. how they feel. You have to know what they look like. And then even if you do, we're always asked to check them, you know, check them in like as if we're, you know, putting something in, you know, checking our uh, like coat check at a, at, right. a, at a bar or something like yeah. that. Right. Yeah. Right. You can't, I mean, all you're doing is leaving it for, for later, for later. You know, sweeping yeah. it under the rug. Eventually it will come back to haunt you and, and it'll come back to haunt you in a way that you're like, what is going on? And you're, you know, for me, it was my whole life crumbled like right in front of me. I lost everything. I, you know, every anything and everything that I touched just turned to silly putty. Wow. And I was like, okay, you know what? This is not about the physical anymore. This is about my mental, emotional, and spiritual state where I've just mm-hmm. kind of avoided that, right? It was all about let's make as money, right. as money as I can, party as much money as, uh, as much as I can, and, you know, uh, serve everyone but myself. Mm. right and your so cup was I, empty so to speak yeah and once that yeah. and i mean dry as a bone so, <laughs> and you can't you can't serve people from an empty cup you can't even no. serve them from a half one right you know but people will you know society kind of makes you feel guilty for you know what do you mean you can't serve people from a half empty cup you know right. like it's a it's a mentality it's a a way of being that's been ingrained and conditioned in us for so long I have to be thankful for, you know, the generations that are coming up behind us because they're they're A lot of them are well aware that this is what's happening. And they're basically, yeah, they're like, yeah, I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where it's at. That's where, you know, that's where it's at in terms of your your mental state. You need to process whatever traumas you've been through as difficult as it is. Yeah. You're going to have days where you're on end, where you're crying. You might pick up a loaf of bread and you just start crying in the, in the, in the alleyway of the supermarket. Those are signs. Those are, yeah, those are clear signs that you have some deep issues that need to be resolved and they're mental and emotional ones. They're not about whether you had $10 and you were short 10 cents for, it's not about that. Right. No, no. Yeah. And it, it really is um, understanding when you get to that point. Um, and it's almost like it's such a balance because you can't actually get to a place of clarity on your own when you're in the middle of, of the trauma and the emotion. So you have to reach out to others to almost reset yourself so that you can then go inward. Does that make That's sense? That's right. Yes, okay. it does. Yeah, <laughs> okay. it, that makes a lot of sense. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. you reach out to others, like you said, you reset yourself and then you come mm-hmm. back to, okay, now that I've reset myself, what can I do now that I'm by myself? You know, yeah. and that's a, that's a huge fear for a lot of people. Fear is something else I speak on. And that's a huge fear for people is being alone and having to do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and- 
you talk about feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And I love that because as courage and action, that's sort of our definition of courage is feeling fear and doing something anyway. So how do you, how do you manage that in your life? This, um, you know, defining or understanding, okay, I'm in a state of fear right now. How do you like push yourself to move through that? So pushing myself to move through that is, by taking action. So you want fear to go away, you have to take yes. action. And yes. if you take action, you got to repeat the action over and over again. I am not Practice. someone who believes in fear. Like I, I mean, mm. like being fearless. Like yeah. I don't believe, I, I don't believe anyone's fearless. I, even little kids, people say, oh no, the little kids are fearless. I'm like, no, they're not. They just don't know. One, they're not aware it's fear they're feeling. And two, they right. can't communicate <laughs> it. Okay. Right. So because yeah. when you get older, you will remember memories. You're like, yeah, I was terrified because now you understand what terrified means. Right. Right. So yeah. You learn it. Yeah. You learn it. Right. You learn hmm. what it feels like. You learn what it looks like. You see it for what it is. Right. So first and foremost, I don't believe in fearlessness. However, I do believe that you can work through your fear and that even in the midst of fear, you can still do whatever it is you need to do. Right. And so, you know, I, t- I teach people, I say, yeah, you need to take action as much as it's, it doesn't matter how small or how big or mm-hmm. how often it's action that makes that fear and anxiety go down. Got and it. Uh, again, everybody has it. Everybody knows what it's, fe- what it feels like, but you will never, you will never get rid of it. I just even wrote an article on that too. Fear, you're formidable, forever, your formidable foe. It will always be there. So yeah. how do you, how, you know, are you always going to run away and hide when it comes? Well, you can't live like that. You'll be in an avoidance yeah. spot, live in an avoidance box for the rest of your life. Right. Like, and that's not yeah. life, you know, in, in my eyes, I can't speak for anyone else in my eyes. That's not life to me. Right. So yeah. I feel the fear and I do it anyway. Meaning I do have those signs of fast heart rate, shortness of breath, of course, yeah. a hundred miles a minute. Even prior mm-hmm. to doing this talk, I had, I had that, the sweaty armpits, <laughs> the whole nine, you know, yeah. but I'm like, yep, but you know what, what's the worst? I'm not going to die from it. You know? No. So again, here comes self-talk, right? I'm not, I'm yeah. not going to die. From not going to die. Gonna so die. just do it. No. So just do it. Right. And yeah. in the end, I'm always rewarded with, Hey, it wasn't so bad. Or, Hey, I did that. Uh, or, hey, and it just builds your confidence even more to do the next thing and to do the next thing yeah. and to do the next thing. And some yeah. of that is judgment too, right? Like, so you're worried, mm. well, what's everybody else going to say? Everybody's going to say, see me yeah. and, and uh, what are they going to say and everything? And that's yeah. fear underneath that judgment. You know, it's even fear mm. under anger, fear under shame, fear under blame. I, you know, all of those are having the underlying of your scared of something right there's something that makes you feel that you're being threatened by something you're in danger by something your security is not there but you know i rather fall through the tissue paper than have the, the safety net there and see if i yeah. can catch myself right yeah absolutely and so you know anybody always asks me well how do you how do you get that um, action as long as i take action doesn't matter how big or small i always am able to get overcome that fear moment right or yeah. tame that fear that's why i call my course tame your fear and live your best life right yeah because i don't believe that you'll ever you'll ever get rid of it um and then it's just keep doing it you know the last letter of my my whole fear acronym is rewind 
It's a challenge, but it's a lifelong journey that you have to keep doing each and every time. Mm. So it's cyclical. You start from the beginning again. And keep yeah. going. Yeah. And uh-huh. you just keep going and it'll come up again and you keep going with that one. And you come up again, like think about yeah. all the fears that you've had in your life from the small little things to, yeah. you know, the major ones, the cycle yeah. is the same, right? And how yeah. you respond is usually the same. Even though it's different for everyone, your response to fear is the same. Some people, it's the fast heart rate. Some people, they stand, they freeze, they don't say anything. Other people, yeah. it's a void, right? It's about, oh, no, procrastination. I'm just going to leave it to the side there because you fear right. you know, getting that project done or you fear having to make that presentation or you fear, you know, you know even mental health again, right? You fear that what if I do get better? For some people, right. it's about that, right? They've been ill yeah. all their life and it's the chance to get better and they don't know yeah. any different. So why would I want to get better? Right. Why would I want to improve? Why would I want to change this? I'm comfortable. Right why here. would I want to <laughs> see the other side? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and- you know, it comes back to moving out of your comfort zone. I, if you're quite okay where you are, I'm not judging you. you. You stay where you are, but I'm saying a good amount of what you are going to experience in life comes on the other side of fear. On I the other side. Says that quote, but it's yes, on the other, yes. yeah, I think it's Georgia deer that says that. Yeah. But, and I, and I never really knew what that was like until, you know, I started saying, Hey, I'm going to live my life despite these mental and emotional challenges. I'm going to go out there and experience mountains and climbing and yes. running and, yes. you know, and, and this show and that show and go here and travel there and all those kind of things. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you've said over and over that it's, it doesn't matter how big or small the action is. And once you get into that practice of taking even the tiniest little action, you will get to the Mount Everest. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Point, right? Like- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> at some point, exactly. You have to. It's a law of averages, right? Yeah. If you try something a hundred times, it, you're bound to hit it at least once. One right. time. Yeah. So- yeah. And if you don't ever yeah. try, you'll never hit it. I think it was Jordan yeah. that said, um, you'll never hit does you'll never hit zero. Uh, you'll never hit a shot if you never t- if you never try basically if you never take the shot exactly yeah, if you never take it yeah. yeah yeah so I love that and I love that that ties so well into who we are as courage and action you are the definition <laughs> of who we are striving to be and what we try to do so thank you so very much um, for joining us today are there any sort of final words of wisdom that you would like to share with our listeners before we wrap up for today? You know, I just want to let everybody know that, you know, my life is, you know, obviously a little bit out of the ordinary, (laughs) but it doesn't matter how, how your life, your path goes, whatever it is you want to do, you can, you can do that. You know, uh, you, you can move forward. There's nothing to say that you can't do that except yourself. And so right. you need to start talking to yourself and letting yourself know that you are worthy, that you deserve what it is you want to have in your life, despite mental and emotional challenges. Um, yeah. And you can live your life as, as you see fit um, because you are the expert of your own experiences. And so you want to bring that forward into the future so that everyone can see that this is who you are. That's amazing. Everyone can see who you are and you are worthy and you deserve 
everything that you know um, you want in your life. Exactly. I love it. Thank you so much. Um, yes, thank you very much for having me. I love being on the, uh, speaking to everyone on Courage in Action. And I, I love what Courage in Action stands for. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping to be a little bit more involved with them soon. Amazing. So, uh, yes, thanks very much. Yeah. Absolutely. And we will put your website and details in the description of the podcast as well so that our listeners can uh can tune in and be in touch with you after as well. Sounds good. Thank you very Amazing. much. Amazing. Thank you.